Production. Recorded live. Welcome to Evolution Revolution with Dulcinea. It is Thursday, September 10th, 2009. Only in life's perceived failures can we learn and grow to create a larger, grander, mounting success that is inspired from a deeper seed of who you are. The magic of your success requires a unique formula that only you can create based on your inner treasure chest, hunt in alignment with the limitless universe in a most magical and divine way. Happy creation. Evolution Revolution is focused on offering the listeners intuitive and balanced information that fosters transformation both personally and globally, ultimately raising the consciousness on planet Earth. Please explore more about myself, Evolution Revolution, Voices of Change, all past guests and archives, services, and upcoming events, and much, much more on my website at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com or www.dulcineasdivinevision.com. Thank you for joining the show this evening, wherever you may be listening. Tonight on Evolution Revolution, I am honored to have an appearance from Peggy McCall, a New York Times best-selling author and internationally recognized expert in the area of goal achievement. Her personal mission is to make a positive contribution to the lives of millions of others. She is the president and founder of Dynamic Destinies Incorporated and the author of six books which have been translated into numerous languages and sold in more than 30 countries across the globe to include The Eight Proven Secrets to Smart Success, Your Destiny Switch, 21 Distinctions of Wealth, Be a Dog with a Bone, Always Go for Your Dreams, and The One Thing which is being released this month. Peggy is also the creator of several audio programs and e-courses to include Magnet for Money Platinum Edition and Turn Fear into Faith, among several other fantastic tools and resources that can be found on her fabulous website, www.destinies.com. She is the host of Hay House Radio called Attracting Abundance, which can be heard each week. She feels blessed to say that her work has been endorsed by some of the most renowned experts in the personal development field, including Neil Donald Walsh, Bob Proctor, Jack Canfield, Debbie Ford, Marianne Williamson, Greg Braden, and many others. Well, welcome, Peggy. Thank you for appearing on Evolution Revolution this evening. We're honored to have you here. Well, I'm honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. So in your latest book, The One Thing, you posit many empowering principles to assist others to experience authentic fulfillment and sustainable joy. What was your personal inspiration to write and create this most magical book? Well, you know, I realized from my own journey of being in this uh, passionate self-help field that I was searching for one thing, you know, really one thing that would help me to feel successful and fulfilled and joyful. And and uh, it was a you know, couple decades that I was going through this process, you know, of looking for one thing and thinking I found the thing, you know, the the one answer, only to realize a little while later, no, 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 that's not it, that's not it, and just be in this constant state of search until I realized what the one thing really is. And so when I made the discovery for myself, I thought, you know, I think a lot of other people are really facing the same thing. You know, they're on this search, this constant search, and there's such a hunger out there to to really find it, you know, to figure out what is it, you know, what is the one thing that's going to cause me to feel totally successful or feel, help me feel completely fulfilled. And so I thought, well, I want to share that. I've discovered it. I found it. I want to share it with other people. And so the idea was born. It was sort of sparked within me to write the book, The One Thing. And it ended up being my sixth book, which is kind of interesting that it sort of landed there in the sixth position because it was something that I discovered before. But the realization of what the hunger is out there in, in the world really came to me more recently. And so that's why it sort of fell into the, the, the uh, flow of being the sixth book. 
Very beautiful. It's just, it's very profound. It hit me personally very deeply in the heart as I read through it. it I related to many of the stories that you presented. Um, it paralleled many of my personal uh, self-development endeavors as well. <laughs> Can you have that solution and recognizing, wow, that was a great solution at that moment. <laughs> Maybe not this moment. <laughs> And so, you know, you brought up some great points about what were the big questions that many seekers embark upon um, during their spiritual journey of self-discovery with. And I think that we all encounter those questions of who am I, where am I going? And, and then you not only lead us into that, but how can I get my life to work for me? And how can I end this discomfort and suffering? And just how, how do I get comfortable in my own skin? So... Why is it that when we want to get comfortable in our own skin, we immediately reach out to others and go, rescue me? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think sometimes it's because, you know, we feel helpless. You know, I remember many a night crying myself to sleep and just thinking that, you know, I was destined to live a life of misery and felt helpless and hopeless, you know, both of those things, and thinking that, you know, if if there was a God, well, you know, he he just forgot about me or something, <laughs> or maybe he wasn't listening, or I wasn't doing something right, or or even worse, or or maybe in alignment with that is, I didn't think I deserved to be successful, and and someone else was gonna come along and make me feel better. You know, maybe it would be a boyfriend, or perhaps a job, or maybe even my parents or. Something, someone, some outside of me was going to help, and of course, that's the rescue me stage. And I think you know, some sometimes we go in and out of rescue me, and uh, don't even realize that we're there. But it was an it was an early stage for me in my evolution of discovery, and and I'll tell you, it was a dark stage too, because when I was in that feeling of, well, my life's a mess, and I'm miserable, and I just you know stayed stayed in this emotion of of sadness and and thought, well, someone's going to fix it. Someone's got to fix it because somebody else must have made it this bad in the first place. It couldn't have possibly been me. I didn't even think that was a concept that I needed to take responsibility for my life. But that's really where it all began for me was this, this feeling of someone else has to come in and fix my life. Yes, and I think that as a reader, as I read through that, I think we all can relate to that, whether we think it's money that can rescue us or whether we think it's a boyfriend, as you'd mentioned, or a partner, a girlfriend, Um, you know, just something like you had mentioned outside of ourselves. And what you posit is that, in fact, we can look within and begin to feel empowered that we can rescue ourselves. Yes, yes, and, you know, sometimes we, we don't even need to be rescued because we're not really lost. We just think we're lost and that the answers are already there. And, you know, it's a very subtle and simple distinctions that can cause us to move from a a state of that hopelessness to a state of, hey, I'm okay. (laughs) You know, it's really not so bad after all. And we just need to look at things a little differently, bring some light into our lives so that we can, uh, you know, start to feel, act, and be different. Well, actually, it's not even really different. Different's not the right word. Just feel better. You know, just choose to feel a better emotion. Yes, and I think that was the important point at the end of um, the chapter you you call Rescue Me. Something that really stood out to me to the degree I think I highlighted it in three colors so it would really stand out when I went back is all we need to be aware of is what we desire and then create the feelings we'd have if we attained it. Envisioning ourselves in the ideal situation <clears throat> excuse me, and relishing every moment of it as it plays out in our imagination. Oh, that's so powerful. I know, and you wrote it. (laughs) (laughs) i got to go back to the book and highlight. (laughs) I know. I understand how that Okay, what page is that on? (laughs) Page 12. (laughs) Okay, got it open right there. Okay, perfect, perfect. Yes, yes. I love it. You know, and I'm I'm not saying that to be, you know, arrogant or whatever, because I think that, you know, like you and me, we're here to serve the world, right? 
And, you know, we filter stuff. You know, it's like I'm a filter. My books are a filter of what I've learned from many of the masters and many many of the great people that I've studied. But then, you know, taking it a little bit further, you know, not only studied, applied so that I've experienced it in my own life. You know, it's it's like that uh, law of Goya. Um, John Asaroff talks about the law of Goya, which is the law of get off your a, you know, get off your butt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and so, you know, it's not enough to just, you know, sit there and say, okay, all right, I have the realization. Okay, I know I can make my life better. I, I know I'm the one that's got to rescue myself. And if I want something, well, I, you know, just have to feel what that feels like. But you got to do something about it too, right? Like even to engage in the emotions, you have to switch on the feelings. And, you know, we're habitual creatures, so a lot of times we're just going to stay feeling the same feelings that we felt before unless we choose to, choose to, like intentionally, you know, change that emotion or or switch to a new emotion or a higher level of a positive emotion. Yes, that is so important to recognize that we have the power within us to do that, to actually shift the emotion. And one of the ways that you bring forth that we can do that is through the process of managing our thoughts. Yes. And I, I thought it was really important that you mentioned neutrality to thoughts. So would you like to elaborate on that? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, I would say that this realization of the importance of thoughts really occurred to me when I heard Bob Proctor speak for the first time. And he's become a wonderful mentor and a friend. And it was 31 years ago, actually, that I had met him. And I had no idea the power of thought. I didn't even really think about what I was thinking about, to be honest. And and, he started to open my eyes up to the idea that, you know, we need to just manage our thoughts, pay attention to what's going on in our mind, because we're either creating or we're destroying And we need to notice what those things are so that we don't get caught up in a a sort of a spiral downward because negative thoughts can be so completely destructive. And yet positive thoughts can, can be completely empowering. And if we just focus on, you know, where are we investing our conscious thoughts? Are we investing them on positivity or things that are empowering us and making us feel better and helping and contributing and helping us grow, or are we focusing on things that are thoughts that are destructive and and um, and, uh, and disempowering and, and hurtful and harmful? And so there's, you know, that we're, we're creating, we're destroying, we're creating, we're destroying. Sometimes we're doing it within the same, you know, few seconds. But if we just, you know, just pay attention to that and just notice and start to, you know, manage and, and sort of get our head around that, we'll start to notice the, the things that are, you know, limiting us and we'll start to notice the things that are really helping us and then make some new choices and new thoughts. Yes, that is so empowering. And basically the way that we can become aware of our thoughts is how are you feeling? It's a very simple It is. It really is. And, and, you know, there's a a little story in the chapter on on thoughts, on Think It, Be It, which is the, uh, I think it's the third chapter in the book, you, maybe you remember this little story, and it was last year, actually, when my mom was in the hospital. My mom passed away last October of lung cancer, and when she was nearing the end, she was in palliative care in the hospital, and, and my brother and sister and I were with her around the clock. I mean, she she was never alone, so someone was with her for the 24 hours, you know, for eight and a half weeks she was in palliative care. And so I was in there, you know, in the hospital room with her one day. My brother was there as well, and it was a beautiful sunny day, you know, a beautiful fall day. And, you know, we got the idea that we would, you know, get mom to go outside. And I, uh, so I said, you know, I was talking to my brother about it, and I said, hey, you know, let's let's find a way to get mom outside. And my mom turned to me, and she said, I just can't stand Peggy. And I thought, you know, it was like this old feeling that came up of unworthiness that rushed to the surface. And I I felt this pain of being a child, you know, when I could never please my parents or thought that I could never please my parents. And what I thought I heard my mom say is, I just can't stand Peggy, meaning she can't stand me. But what she was saying is, she can't stand. You know, I can't stand. She was weak. 
she couldn't stand up. So she couldn't stand up to be transferred to a wheelchair is what she was trying to say to me. And then my brother, you know, not even realized this was going on, you know, within, within my own mind. My brother says, yeah, Peggy, you know, mom's right. She can't stand. So we'll have to forget about putting her in a wheelchair. Let's just move the bed. It's on wheels. And it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, then I realized, you know, what I had just thought and the emotions that came welling up, you know, from some pain from the past. And I'm talking about last year. You know, this is after, you know, five books. I was actually working on my sixth book at the time. I, you know, I teach this stuff. I mentor people. But old programming can come up, you know, from the past. And we've got to be aware of it. We've got to notice it and and pay attention to it because it's, it's like you know, sometimes I'll say to people, you can't ignore these things. It's like garbage. You know, you think that it's not stinky. Well, let's just put the lid on it and it's going to go away. Well, sooner or later, it's going to, you know, it's going to get worse. And when you, when you do take the lid off, it's going to be really, really stinky. So you got to pay attention to it. So I just noticed it in that moment. You know, I noticed what, what the thought was, noticed what the feelings were, and realized that I had just gone back in time chose to focus on something that obviously didn't make me feel good, realized that you know I was looking at it in a very disempowering way that was not what my mother said at all, and just chose to realize, okay, well, that's kind of humorous, you know, that I thought of that. So I switched to finding something humorous in it. Now, and I'm not talking about hysterical laughter or anything like that, but wasn't that interesting? You know, just from an observant point of, point of view, wasn't that interesting that I had that that old thought that came rushing up based on nothing. I mean, here it wasn't really based on anything that she really said and experienced the emotions that went along with it. And that's how fast, you know, old negativity can come up and poof, hit you. And so we got to watch that because sometimes it can come up, blindside you, and then you're spiraling down again. And we've got to really pay attention to that so that we don't go spiraling down again. Very, very important points. It's, it's a definite important part of self-management in the self-discovery process. <laughs> yes. yes, and you, you offer some great stories, including that story you just shared. And, and you really give some um, important uh, reminders that we create our reality and that our awareness is managed with our thoughts. Yes. And it's much like a staircase. So each step that we go up, we want to recognize that, and as you've just mentioned, if we choose to reverse and go back down the staircase, we just also want to become aware of that so we can then make another conscious choice. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> All right. So, well, once we're aware of our thoughts, the next step is just really getting clear on what we want. Yes. Yeah, you know, I think one of the great gifts we've all been given is the power to choose. And, you know, many years ago, I mentioned Bob Proctor, you know, he taught me to set goals, you know, set some clearly defined goals. There's actually a quote in the beginning of Chapter 3 and where Bob had said, set a goal to achieve something that's so big, so exhilarating, that it excites you and scares you at the same time. It must be a goal that's so appealing, so much in line with your spiritual core that you can't get it out of your mind. If you don't get chills when you set a goal, you're not setting big enough goals. And, I mean, Bob is an advocate for, you know, recommending that people set goals. And he taught me 21 years ago to write your goal on a goal card. And he also told you to, you know, told everyone in the audience, he told me, dream big, you know, just like what he was saying. You know, if you're not getting chills and if it's not in some way scaring you, it's not big enough. Now, what I've found is, and it's been an, an exercise that I've, you know, carried on for 31 years, there's, there's two things that I've noticed. One is that when you set a goal that's, you know, big enough that it, you know, exhilarates and scares you at the same time, you know, it, it probably will. You know, it causes you to grow. You know, it will cause you to stretch out of your comfort zones. If you stay true to it, meaning if you stay focused on it and connect to the feelings of what that goal is going to feel like, you will materialize it. Now, at first, it seems completely, you know, unbelievable. You know, like this can't possibly happen. And there are times when you just want to say, nah, like I don't even know why I'm focusing on this. And you want to just flush it and just flush that goal down the toilet because that's really where it belongs. But if you stay true to it, write it on a goal card, carry it with you, put it on a little laminated card or put in a little plastic cover or something, you know, that you can carry it with you wherever you go and stay focused on it every single day. What happens is over a period of time, 
you'll start to just think, wow, this is the way it is. You know, it's just like you don't think any other way. It's just like you know it to be true because there's an expression that says if you, you know, hear something often enough, you'll start to believe it. And that's the way it works with goals as well. You just, you know, keep telling yourself and affirming your goal in the present tense as if you've already achieved it and over a period of time you'll achieve it. And, and I just can't even imagine being without a goal card. I always have a goal card. Now, sometimes I'm wearing a dress. I can't put it in my pocket today. I have a dress on. I don't have any pockets in my uh, in my on my dress. So I'll just, you know, carry my goal card with me. Sometimes I'll just put it on my computer keyboard or I'll put it in my wallet. And at night, I always put it on my dresser. And in the morning, I always pick it up. And, and I'm touching it. You know, I'm touching it throughout the day. And, 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 and as soon as I touch my goal card, it puts a big smile on my face. And what do you have on your goal card? Well, I'm going to tell you not specifically what's on mine, but I'll tell you how I start it and how I end it. So with my little goal card, I start it by saying, I, Peggy McCall, so you'd want to leave out the Peggy McCall part, but (laughs) 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 I, Peggy McCall, am so happy and so grateful now that in an easy, relaxed, and a healthy way, I am. And so I added that part. You know, I am so happy and so grateful because it puts the emotion in, right? And then a little bit later on, I added the part of in an easier, relaxed, and a healthy way because I thought, I don't want this to be a struggle. And I certainly don't want to get sick, you know, on my way to achieving these goals. So I added, you know, easy, um, relaxed, and a healthy way. And then at the end of my goal statement, I have three goals there, not just one, I have three. And so I have a financial goal, I have my relationship goal with my husband, I have my relationship goal with my son. It's not that I don't have those things already, but I, they're so important to me, I want to stay focused on them and always have the healthy, loving relationship with my son and the happy marriage with my husband. And so that's on there as well. So it's kind of a little long or a long description of a little goal card. And then at the end, I wrap it up by saying, and uh, for all of this and more, thank you, God. And that's how I, I conclude. For all of this and more, thank you, God. And I'm always giving thanks. Giving thanks, you know, sometimes, this may sound like utterly silly, but sometimes I'll just, you know, kiss my gratitude journal as I'm writing in it and just, you know, thank. I write in my gratitude journal every night, and sometimes I can't wait to write my gratitude journal. So I'll, I have it beside my bed, and I'll, I'll go up there, and I'll just write in it, you know, just throughout the day. I'll run upstairs, I've got to write this down right now. I, I'm feeling gratitude all day long, and sometimes I'll just, you know, just walk around my home and give thanks for the warmth of the home or the, you know, the comfort of, of the, the bed or the hot water that's coming out of the shower or the, the gift of a new day or the sunshine or the rain that's nurturing the glass, grass. There's always something, always something to be grateful for, which is another part of the path and the one thing. But, uh, you know, goals, I mean, you asked about goals. I really believe that, you know, we've got this great gift of choice and we can ask for and claim that which we desire. Very, very well put. I think that is so important. And as I read about the goal card, I felt very validated because what I do is because of college, I use note cards for everything. (laughs) I was a a note card guru. Everybody laughed at me because I'd have fluorescent ones too. And uh, (laughs) so here I have my fluorescent note cards on my goals. And I think that it is so empowering. So it's very validating to hear that other people use that very similar tool and can find it a way to help, like you had mentioned, focus. So I think focusing is probably one of the most important things about actually accomplishing the goal. But you also go into an important point um, that fits the larger picture of the book, which was when we change our thoughts, we change our goals. So as we grow, our goals will shift according to our thoughts and beliefs. And I'd like for you, if you can, just to let people know that that's, a, you know, share what you've brought forth about that in the book. It's just so important, I think, I felt. Well, I, th- I think what's, what's interesting is that, you know, we are evolving beings and we're always changing. And we may have had a goal 20 years ago. We may have had a goal two years ago. And we may not have that same goal today. Because our desires change, or perhaps you know we get more clarity on on what you know we really want in life or what's really important, you know there's certain events that can occur in your life that can give you more clarity you know just as an example, prior to this interview starting, I glanced over you know just to my left, and there's a photograph of my brother sitting 
sitting on the mantel um, where our fireplace is here. I'm in our family room right now. And it's a picture of my brother with my son. And this picture was taken approximately six months before he died. And my brother Gary died of cancer. He was in his 40s. And, and that's very, very young. And it was you know, really sad. It was very difficult for my parents as well to, to lose their son. And I glanced over at this picture and I, and I looked, looked at it. And Gary was a very fun-loving guy. You know, he's, he's hilarious. Eh? He could have been a comedian on stage. I mean, he would have you laughing so hard your cheeks would hurt. I mean, we have to tell him, stop, like, stop, my stomach hurts. You know, I'm laughing so hard and, like, just so full of life. And, you know, so I looked over there and I thought, you know, he's full of life. And then, you know, his, his life was gone. I mean, poof, you know, he's gone. Those types of events will cause you to, or may cause you, I shouldn't say will, may cause you to just remember how precious life is and to remember what's most important. You know, as I was watching my mother, you know, just suffer, especially in her last eight weeks, you know, when she was in the hospital and seeing her like dwindle away, like her physical body. I mean, she had lost Oh my goodness! Like a hundred, and she was she was Italian, and she was a big woman. And by the time she passed away, she was like eighty pounds. But prior prior to getting sick, she was over two hundred pounds. So she lost a lot of weight. I mean, we we saw her just shrink and shrivel, you know, almost like in Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, where that that witch, you know, where she's melting, I'm melting. Do you remember that scene? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know, and that's almost like we what we watched, you know, with my mom. And and so what happens in those those we don't have to have those moments to experience this. You can just have the realization without experiencing it or hearing my story um, or anyone's is that you realize how precious life really is, and that your goals, you know, depending on like if my brother was told and my brother did know he was dying, his goals changed. You know, it no longer became important that he built his business. You know, for him, what what just became important was just to live out the last days of his life in comfort and to find the peace that he was going to be passing on he reached that you know he really really reached that and i remember him saying to me we had this conversation just a short while before he died and he said you know i'm at peace i know i'm going to die and i'm at peace with it i'm okay with it and it gave everybody else peace around him you know to hear him say that so with goals you know you may have a goal today and that's fine. I mean, it's not a matter of judgment. You know, that's a good goal, bad goal. You know, you can have a goal today that you feel is a good goal for you, but it could change, and it could change in a couple of years. You know, my, my husband is, is uh, 49 years of age. I'm 50, and actually he'll be 50 in a month. And he's retired. He retired two years ago. And he golfs, and he goes out, and he goes fishing. You know, he has a fishing boat. Him and my son bought a fishing boat together, and and he really enjoys his life. You know, in the morning he'll get out and he'll go and he'll he'll clean the pool and he'll be out at the pool. He loves the loves taking care of the pool and he'll be out there for a while and and he lives this incredible life. You know, really really relaxed and enjoyable and and so you know he'll say to me because I work a lot, right? And he'll say to me, you know, when will you reach a point where you know you're no longer working at the hours that you're working? And or, or retire, like you'll ask me about retirement. And I'm thinking, mm, that's not, like I find inspiration in watching him. So retirement isn't even in my idea of a concept right now. However, I think about it. You know, I think about, you know, is that the goal that I'm looking forward to? You know, maybe I'll just do writing later on because I love, I love producing books. I love writing. I love bringing out the books to the world. Maybe that's what it'll be. Right now, though, it's, you know, it's very driven. I got a lot of, a lot of goals, lots of, you know, personal goals and, and family goals, et cetera, but business goals too, especially for the one thing since it's just being released. And just today, a courier arrived with a contract for my seventh book. So I am uh, entering into an agreement to write my seventh book, which will be released next April, April 2010. Very exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Yay, we, we look forward to hearing about that soon <laughs> as that gets underway. <laughs> yeah. That's very fun. So so really reiterating the importance of goals, but allowing us to be flexible and in flow with those goals as they yeah. change as we change. Exactly. Oh, you said Wonderful. that so well. 
I took way too long to answer that, and you said it in just a matter of a few words. Very I good. Summed up, and I summed up listening to you. That was why. <laughs> Great job. Well, thank you. So you offer some um, three important questions to consider about one's goal in, in the book, and just I thought briefly we could mention um, maybe just the three questions to get people inspired to recognize the process of setting a goal if, in fact, they're not familiar or would like to re- revamp. Yeah, sure. Well, the, the three questions that you're referring to, like I work a lot with authors as well because I, I like to help authors you know, bring their books out to the world because I have found that when authors write their books, you know, and this is from my, you know, from my own experience as well, is that we're we're usually pretty passionate people that want to get our messages out to the world, and we also realize that our books aren't going to serve people, you know, by sitting in a shelf or in a warehouse somewhere. So I will, you know, ask people um, to, and I'm not sure if this is what you're referring to. So so let let me know if I'm sort of off track here. No if, if uh, meeting your goal will fulfill a need that people have. Is that what you're referring to? Yes. yes. Okay, all right, great, great. So so when I am working with authors, especially when they want to make their book a bestseller, I ask them to, to think about their goals and ask themselves these three questions. Will meeting your goal fulfill a need that people have? Because if people are really searching to be, you know, a best-selling author as an example, um, and they've got something that they want to bring to the world, well, you know, is is there a need out there? You know, sometimes people just think that, okay, I'm just going to write this book, but they haven't really looked at or evaluated, you know, what, what's the market? What are the market conditions and, and what's out there? And, and is there a need for it? You know, just like with your show as an example, if there wasn't a need for it, if people weren't really going to listen, you know, is it, a, is it something that, you know, is, I don't know what they call it, worthy goal, but is it a realistic, and I hesitate to use the word realistic, goal too, but just something to consider is um, will meeting your goal fulfill a need that other people have? I think it's a really important question to ask. And then another one is why should people trust, support, and listen to you? Often I'll, I'll ask you know, authors, like, what's your unique message? It's, it's not that we've got new messages. It's just that we're delivering it in a, in a unique way. You know, just like, for example, with the one thing, you know, what's appealing about the one thing First of all, and this is important, is the title. Like people are drawn to books because of the title. People are drawn to books because because of the cover. You know, people do judge a book by its cover. And so, you know, there has to be something fresh. You know, there has to be something unique. Otherwise, if your book, you know, is smells like, tastes like, you know, feels like something that's already out there, you know, people might not be interested in it. So it, it's important to differentiate yourself and then do you have the resources that you'll need to achieve your goal or if you don't it's okay if you don't but are you willing to acquire them because I know for myself when I had written my first book I didn't know how to market the book and I remember going to this this seminar on book marketing and this gentleman was on stage and he said if you're an author and you've written your book five percent of your job is done and I remember being flabbergasted. What? 5%? Of, that was a big job writing that thing. 5% of my job is that? What are you talking about? And he said, 95% of the job is in marketing and promoting your book. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I better find out You know, who knows how to do that and learn from them. And I became like a dog with a bone. That's actually why I wrote the book, Be a Dog with a Bone, because uh-huh. I was so determined. You know, I remember being a child and having this little dog, and she would play. You know, we'd throw her the bone, she'd grab it, and she'd, she'd bring it back to you. And sometimes she'd try and take it out of her mouth. No way was she letting you have it. And, and she would just hang on to that thing. You'd drag her around the living room, and she'd be holding on tight to that bone. You'd think her teeth were going to fall out. And I realized that as an author, and not just as an author, anyone who really, you know, is going for a goal or objective, they want to achieve it. They got to be like that dog, and don't let go, and don't let other people take it away from you. That's that's just as important. Very, very beneficial wisdom. Thank you. I definitely appreciate that. Five percent of the of the job is done. Part I think that <laughs> I encounter that with the radio show. You know, I'll have a lot of authors who will. Uh, approach me with books, and they're like, I've written the book. I'm like, well, do you have a website? Well, not yet. 
I'm like, okay, oh let's, 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 let's start working on a website. I'll help you here. <laughs> so, you know, just really redirecting people to really find those resources that help them to accomplish that desired goal. Well, you know, just as you're saying that, I think what happens is, and, and I can relate to this because, uh, one, I experienced it, and, two, I hear it often you know, from my own clients because I work with a lot of authors, is that it seems overwhelming. There's a lot to do. You know, just today I had a session with an author, and, and she's at a point where she's really reinventing herself. She had worked in the, the corporate world for many years, and now she's going off on her own, and she's trying to figure out you know, what to bring to the world. And she had some ideas of some services and some products, and I said, okay, well, that's all fine, but how are you going to differentiate yourself? It's important to differentiate. You've got to somehow stand out. You've got to create a brand. You've got to you know, help people understand that you have this value to bring to the marketplace. But she doesn't have a website, she doesn't have a business name, she doesn't have a tagline, she doesn't know what her purpose is, she doesn't know what she wants to do. And, and you know, it's it's like she's she you know, she came to me in the state of overwhelm. It's like, okay, well, first of all, don't make it more complicated than it is. It's not complicated. And she has this sort of tagline of this name that she calls herself. And I said, it's a perfect name. Call yourself that. And then I started asking her, you know, you know, when you've done these things, like she's had these little group meetings, when you've done those group meetings, you know, how did you feel? Like, did you feel exhilarated? Were you excited? You know, did you, you know, find you had a lot of energy? And she said, yeah, well, it was okay. And I could tell it's not really her passion. And then we started talking about some other things that she did. And I said, well, how did you feel when you did that? She goes, oh, my goodness, it was amazing. You know, I wasn't tired. I had this lineup of people wanting to talk to me and wanting to see me. And it was like, it's like, whoa, you know, like this is obviously your passion. And so there's a way that you can, like I said, look, you can just, you know, you don't have to have a business name. You could call it, you know, this, your name, Enterprises. You know, you have to create something. It's like with my business, it's Dynamic Destinies, Inc. Well, what's Dynamic Destinies, Inc.? That's me, right? So I'm now at the point where even though I've had my business for 15 years and everything will operate under my business, I'm going to shift everything over to Peggy McCall because that's the brand. It's Peggy McCall. It's not Dynamic Destinies. I'm not a travel agency. Sometimes people think, oh, you're a travel agency. No, 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 I'm not a travel agency. You know, I have, you know, it's sort of my business has evolved. And we need to do that. We've got to be flexible and go with it. And so if you just realize it's not that complicated. You know, you can set up a simple website. You know, just let's look at other people that maybe are, you know, leading in that industry. Take a look at what they're doing. You know, you can get some ideas. I don't talk about stealing ideas. But get some ideas, create your own uniqueness, you know, put a presence up there, start to deliver a service. When you do and people tell you how wonderful you are, ask them to put it in writing so you can get testimonials and endorsements. And then it's like this little snowball that you create. And it starts to roll and it rolls in such a wonderful way and it gets so big and then your business just becomes referral-based and everybody starts telling everybody about who you are. And, you know, that's what can happen possibilities so fun so definitely an important part of the one thing is just really setting our goal clear and using the tools and and um, using these three questions as a guideline to really be clear so that as you progress forward as you said the snowball can just grow exponentially because the intentions have been put out in a very clear productive manner (laughs) yes Wonderful. So a really important part of the one thing is gratitude and really being in the, and you had mentioned it a little bit, but just I think this is such an important part of manifestation, really, really knowing that what you have is all that you need, even if your mind is telling you otherwise. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's so true. And that's profound. You know, just what you said right there, you know, just every, you know, everything you need, you already have, even if you know your mind is telling you otherwise. There isn't anything else that we need. And that's a hard one for people to grasp because ultimately what are we striving for? We're striving for feeling, not for the thing, you know, not for the money, not for the Ferrari, not for the loving relationship or whatever it is. You know, it's ultimately what we're striving for is a feeling. And the greatest feeling is, you know, feeling of love and the feeling of gratitude, you know, just saying thank you, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you, and expressing it. You know, there's a quote in the beginning of Chapter 5, which is the chapter on gratitude by Neil Donald Walsh. 
And he's a, a great mentor and friend. He wrote the foreword for my book, Your Destiny Switch. But the quote that I have on page 69 is, the correct prayer is never one of supplication, but one of gratitude. And, mm. you know, that's, that is so important, like just giving thanks and remembering to give thanks. It's, it's like sometimes when people are in a, a state of, of sadness or, or hurt, and if you say to them, well, what can you be grateful for in this moment? Sometimes, you know, and I've been with, with friends who I've done that with, you know, where they're going through a, a tough time or a difficult experience, and I'll say to them, well, what could you be grateful for right now? And, and quite often they'll look at me like I'm nuts, you know, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, great. Like, they want to stay in that place, right? That place of, you know, woe is me and, and, or whatever, you know, it is. And if you just say to them, well, what could you be grateful for? And then ask them to honestly, you know, if you're saying it with love and not with judgment, but just saying it with love, then, you know, they tend to get it. They're like, oh, okay, well, let me think about that. You know, like a, a girlfriend of mine, a friend of mine, her, she broke up with her boyfriend. And I said, well, what, what could you be grateful for, you know, in this moment? And, you know, she stopped crying and she looked at me thought she was going to hit me, but she didn't. <laughs> and she said, oh, um, let me think about that. And, but she stopped crying. You know, she, she immediately stopped crying. She said, let me think about that. Well, uh, I'm, you know, I'm grateful that, you know, we broke up now before we got married because they were talking about getting married. And it would have been more difficult, you know, if they were married, you know, with legalities and you know, moving in together, they weren't living together. So I'm grateful for that. And what else could you be grateful for? Well, I'm grateful that, you know what, deep down I knew it wasn't right anyways. And, you know, if I had married him, then I wouldn't have been available for potentially, you know, the, the right partner or a partner that I really felt did the right connection with. And and so it starts this role, you know, this this incredible you know, positive shift in a much more glorious direction of uh, of change just by, you know, being grateful. And, of course, gratitude also opens up creativity. You move to a place of gratitude and you start to think of, hmm, what else can I do? It's like money issues, you know, when people are challenged with money issues and I'll start to get them to shift over, like a bill comes in the mail and it's from the electric company and, you know, they get the bill in the mail and they're all upset and maybe even start crying, like, how am I going to pay this? And I know because I've been there. And uh, I'll say, well, what could you be grateful for in that moment? And then they stop and think, well, I'm grateful that I got electricity, you know, being pumped into my house. I'm grateful that I can flip a switch and a light will go on. I'm grateful that I can turn a burner on my stove and, I, you know, heat will illuminate. I'm grateful that I can, you know, have hot water when I have my shower. I mean, there's so many things to be grateful for. Okay. All right. Well, you know, what else can you be grateful for? Well, I'm grateful that, you know, that I've got this company that obviously must have trusted that I could pay this bill because they delivered the service to me. And then you just start on this shift of, you know, of uh, a new direction and it just puts you in a good feeling state. And of course, when you're in a good feeling state, you're going to find better solutions and attract, attract things to you as well. Yes, that is so important. I think that really is, for me, that's just the light bulb moment, the aha moment, because when we're in that gratitude, the ability to attract that fulfillment, that deep inner joy is so natural and organic. It's just the ideal magnet, (laughs) optimal (laughs) magnet. (laughs) It is. Yes, which really goes into the chapter chapter, um, seven, happily ever after, and really talking about how do we tap into our happiness and then how do we increase it and sustain it? Well, happiness is a, is a choice as well, and, it, and I, I think of it as a switch that's within us, like a dimmer switch on the wall that goes up and down. You know, just like I wrote about it in Your Destiny Switch, you know, there's a panel of switches within us. Happiness is one of them, and nobody else controls it. So like in my home here, I can turn on the switch in my my dining room and illuminate the light in the room and have the the little or the switch the dimmer switch on the highest level, which will give all the brightness and um my neighbor across the street has a switch as well, 
and, and when they turn on theirs, it doesn't impact my light, just like our emotions. So my neighbor can't impact how I feel. People cannot impact how you feel or how they affect your level of happiness because you're the one that's in control of that. So sometimes you'll hear people say, you made me feel. Well, nobody makes you feel anything. You choose to feel something. And so happiness is a choice. You can feel it. You know, every single day, you can just choose to look at things that make you feel good. You know, choose to um, be happy for no reason, you know, as Marcy Shymoff talks about in her fabulous book and and just raising your level of happiness without any particular reason. You can put a smile on your face and there's a chemical change that occurs in your body that will cause you to actually feel differently and it causes a, a, you know, a potential habit of feeling happy and also you know what i think is really important is to realize that because we're emotional beings our emotions go up they go down you know sort of like they flow hills and valleys and so happiness is a bit like that as well you know it's like when my mom you know my mom was was dying you know i knew she was going to be dying and there were times that it was really i was really sad and then there were times that i you know switch over to well she's here still you know she's still with us and i can be happy about that, and I'd switch, you know, I would choose to switch, not that I was ignoring the sadness, because the sadness was there, but you know what, it flows, it flows in our life, and I think we just have to be cautious of, you know, not allowing sadness to deep, to dip down too deep to a level of depression, where it's a real challenge to, to get out of, and, and if you do dip down into the level of depression, you can get out of it, you know, obviously it's in it's exercises that you know, need to be uh, worked on. It's like going to the gym if you're completely out of shape. It's going to be tough in the beginning, but you got to go and just do it, like do a little bit, you know, and, and a little bit today. Maybe it's five minutes, and then tomorrow it's six minutes, and the next day it's seven and a half, and until you reach a point where you're you're building that muscle. And so happiness can be very much like that, where you're building the muscle of happiness. Very, very nicely put. May I share a quote that stood out with me in this chapter? Yes. Okay, great. You ha- Under the um, excerpt, happiness begins within. You say, when you create the internal conditions for happiness within yourself, you shift into a positive emotional state, and the universe responds by matching your external circumstances. That is just. Yes, I think that is just so important. And then you continue on to say, if in your subconscious mind you feel sadness, the universe will attract situations to you that reflect sorrow. In this way, you get the opportunity to bring all the pain you've been unaware of to the surface and process it at last to create happiness inside of you at a deeper level. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it, love it, love it. I think that really rings true for the whole process of evolution and the bigger picture of the book, The One Thing, that you've brought forth very clearly is that as we evolve, we experience deeper states of happiness. Absolutely true. Until you wake up one day and you're going like, wow, you know, I'm really living that life that I dreamt of. Yes. And, you know, it's it's not a matter of pinch me because it's so real. There's no pinching. It's just a matter of a complete state of gratitude. And, you know, like yesterday I went to a friend's office. I was dropping off some invitations. I'm having this event here in Ottawa on September 22nd. And online, actually. But in, in Ottawa, Bob Proctor's flying in. He's speaking at my book launch. And I have a comedian that's coming in because I love to laugh. Humor's really important. And I have a hypnotist and a singer and a couple other speakers. It's this big event. It's 1,200 people at the ballroom at the Crown Plaza Hotel in downtown Ottawa. It's totally free. It's no cost. I'm serving refreshments and, and hors d'oeuvres. And there's going to be prizes, like amazing prizes and 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 uh, it's just going to be an exceptional event. It's a celebration. And so I was dropping off these invitations yesterday, and, and I've known this woman for many years, and she, and she just said, look at you. And she's like, I, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> i got something at a place here, hair at a place, got lipstick on my teeth. Like, what do you mean, look at you? She said, just look at your life. And she says, I've known you for so many years, and, and just watching how your life has changed, it's, it's almost miraculous. Now, for her, maybe, you know, I haven't seen her a lot, so she's, you know, seeing the change. You know, she sees the change. She's sort of seeing more of the, you know, not end result because I'm going to be around for a lot longer. But it's, you know, for me, it's 
you know, when, when I, you know, read stuff that's written about living the life of your dreams, I really am. You know, I really am living it. And, you know, I feel very true to writing about the one secret to a totally fulfilling life because I really, really believe that is what I'm living. Not that I'm alone in it. Many, many other people are living it too. And not that I got all the answers because I don't. You know, I think I'm still on a, a journey or an evolution of sorts as well. But it's it's possible. You know, it's really possible. I didn't, I didn't necessarily think that many, many years ago when I was in that state of desperation thinking there's no point. I mean, what's the point of it all? I and mean, I was really feeling, you know, as a teenager, feeling like there wasn't any point to life. And, you know, thought about exiting the life and didn't, thank God. And uh, and so now I can say that I'm really living an extraordinary life and I'm grateful for all of it. And the most important aspect of you getting there was really learning to listen to that inner voice each moment, which you mentioned in the one thing is, is an important element to help people get to that one thing for them. Yes, it, it's, it's a realization. It's just a state of realization that, wow, you know what? It's possible. It's within me, and it's within me now. And you know, I think I think the book could have been summed up. You know, I'm doing a talk here in Ottawa. There's an event coming up in October. It's called Just Say Yes, and there's like eight women speakers, and it's at this this other hotel and their ballroom. And and so they were asking me, they said, "What do you want to talk about?" And I said, "I want to talk about Chapter Eight." And they said, is that the name of your talk, Chapter 8? I said, yes, that's the name of my talk. <laughs> the talk's called Chapter 8. And they're like, what are you talking about? I said, that's my chapter in my new book, The One Thing. That's what I want to talk about, Chapter 8, which is the chapter on The One Thing. Yes, yes. And then you go into one more important element in Chapter 10 to build on Chapter 8. <laughs> you offer a three-step process for creating your winning formula and if I was wondering if you'd be willing to briefly just touch upon the importance uh, of that three-step process for each individual yes absolutely well the the first step is that you know there's so much stuff out there so many books so many programs so many so much information that we just need to just you know sort through it and just but not you know go through everything just listen to your instincts you know, see, why are you drawn to a book? You know, sometimes I'll go in a bookstore and I'll stand there and just see what I'm attracted to. Not that the books are actually literally going to rise up off the shelf on the books, books off the bookshelf and land in my hand, but just see what you're drawn to. Listen to your, you know, your inner voice or your guidance, intuition, whatever you want to call it, and see what feels right to you. You know, there may be some teachers or speakers or authors that, you know, you don't really resonate with, but there's others that you do. So just not that one's better than another or one's right and the other one's wrong, but just see what really feels right to you. And then match up based on what your inner desires are. You know, once you understand more of what you like what you're really searching for or what it is that you would like to maybe work on in your life or what your own goals are, just match up to, you know, what you're looking for based on what your desires are. And then, then the other part is to modify. You know, remembering that you change. You're an evolving creature. You're an evolving being. And so, you know, as today you might have a desire to, to have something or work on something in your life and, and change something, but it could change. And it could change tomorrow or it could change in two years. It could change in five years. But just realize that, Things do change. Everything will change. And so we've got to be flexible. It's really, really important to, to be flexible, stay true to yourself, and follow that process of sorting, matching up, and then modify. Mm, good tips. Very wise tips. And it's it's not scientific, but it's the closest thing. <laughs> there we go. It's like three steps. Here it is. Work it out and move forward. Make it happen. <laughs> it's a simplicity. And I, I think that, you know, sometimes... We just make things far more complicated than they need to be, and uh, I don't think life's that complicated. Yes, thank goodness, right? The simple things shine through, and that's when we, I think we have our revelations. That's <laughs> right. You are absolutely right. It's wonderful. So I really want to let people know your latest book, The One Thing, will be released this month. They can find out more on your website at www.destinies. Dot com. Of course, they can link up to you through the evolutionrevolutionradio.com link as well. 
And that is very, very exciting. Also, as you mentioned, you have some great events coming up, and you can they can find you on Twitter and Facebook. I see here. Your, yeah. Hey, by the way, your new website looks really great. It's really good. Fun. Yeah, I really to, I like I'm it. I'm about to change it again, actually. <laughs> oh, I understand how that goes. It's a work in the. It's like your book. We evolve, and the websites evolve with us. They do. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so fun. So. I think um, my last question about the one thing that is just so important is what do you recommend that someone does when they're confused or they aren't sure which way to turn next? And I think you touch upon this at the very end of the book, and I just thought that was an important point. Well, I think it's important to, you know, sometimes if if we're not sure, you know, where to where to turn next, is just to get quiet, you know, just really, really get quiet, you know, listen to what's going on inside you, you know, Check in with your gut and just ask yourself, you know, what is it that I really desire? You know, what is it that I really want to work on and and uh, and experience in my life? And, you know, sometimes we don't get quite, and we're just a constant state of busyness and we're, you know, we're not taking the time to really check in with ourselves. And so that's what I would recommend that, that people do. Just check in with your feelings check in with, you know, what's most important to you at this time and then make some decisions when you feel that it's right. So don't try and force. Force never works. Just come from a place of, you know, letting it, letting it come up for you and and connecting to what feels right. Very nicely put. The inner formula for success varies for each of us based on our unique desires, talents, and gifts. It is essential to love oneself, believe in oneself, and create a magical expression of service that emanates joy, truth, love, and the higher essence of who you are, fostering a most desirable human experience. Let the magic flow from deep within. Coming up next week on September 17th, Jeff Brown will be returning to offer a renewed expression of his deeply committed, passionate journey of inner awareness and transformation in his book release, Soul Shaping. Coming up on September 24th, Robert Hill will be with us. And on October 15th, Noah Ben Shea will be making an appearance. Coming up on October 22nd, Paul Rademacher will be with us. And on October 29th, Larry Lachan will be making an appearance. Coming up on November 5th, Caroline Sutherland will be here. And on November 12th, Barbara Hancock will be back. Coming up on December 31st, Richard Lawrence will reappear for a two-hour New Year's Eve bang. Be sure to join us. You can purchase all of the author's books featured on Evolution Revolution at www.amazon.com or link up to their individual websites through the Evolution Revolution homepage. Please join me in the upcoming weeks on the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution for some exciting guests and uplifting inspiration. More information can be found on the archives on, under the Radio Archives 2007-2008 tab. And also, all episodes are available for free in the iTunes store by searching Dulcinea. They include amazing talent such as Michael Tamora, Dr. Stephen Farmer, Neil Donald Walsh, Dr. Eric Pearl, Bob Gebeline, Arielle Ford and Peggy McCall, Gary Zukoff and Linda Francis, Charles Virtue, David Robert Ord, and more. Please share Evolution Revolution Radio with others who may desire to join us in the future for an enlightening experience. You can now align with me and Evolution Revolution on Facebook by searching Dulcinea333 and be sure to become a fan of Evolution Revolution Radio for special offers and free books. I offer a vast array of services that can be found on my website under the Services and Events page, including client testimonials, and a wealth of information, a spiritually and divine enlightening experience awaits you. Also, please be sure to explore the new audio feature called Voices of Change under the Voices of Change tab on the website. Voices of Change offers a unique expression of divine talent and wisdom that has the potential to expand, enlighten, and catalyze universal consciousness into the ever-present abundant, infinite, and limitless realms. Be sure to explore the exciting audio features that are ready for listening to include Dennis Lewis, Lorraine Rowe, Starhawk, Dreaming Bear, Joylena Gooding, Marla Martinson, Suzanne Northrop, and more. 
co-create with Evolution Revolution. We are seeking partners to help Evolution Revolution evolve and expand to even more people across the globe. If you are interested in partnering and supporting the rapid development of Evolution Revolution, please explore the Evolution Revolution tab at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. I look forward to hearing from you about the infinite possibilities to co-create in the highest light and with the grandest intentions. Thank you for joining Evolution Revolution this evening with my honored guest, Peggy McCall. Thank you so much, Peggy, for your exciting new book, The One Thing. Hey, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on your show. Yes, it's so wonderful. We appreciate your wisdom and, and leadership in this realm and, and really the authentic expression of who you are. Thank you. Thank you. Much gratitude to you for listening and supporting the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution Radio. I wish each of you an abundance of heavenly love, including peace, awareness, joy, and gratitude today and always. Abundant miracles. Good night.